Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. This can be found on page 990 in your Red Pew Bible in front of you. So, Mark 1, starting at verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And Jesus was coming, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descend on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once, the spirit sent him out into the desert and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? God, thank you for your living word, and we pray that you would speak directly to us today. Holy Spirit, take this good gospel word and make it alive for us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to everyone here. If you're new, my name is Phil Reinders. I'm one of the pastoral staff here, but it is great to see our Knox Church family back after the summer. Everyone's coming in. We've got good stories to swap about uh, what has happened over the summer months. A warm welcome to new students. Um, if you're just beginning your life at U of T, welcome. We are glad you're here. To all returning students as well, we're excited for this new year that lies ahead for you. And for any new friends, guests, we are thrilled that you're here today. Now, if you're new to Knox, I can imagine that you might be wondering, okay, what sort of church is this? Is, is this going to be a church where I actually might grow, where I, it might be a safe place for me to explore God? And we get that. And, and so for the next th three weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the, the vision, the theological vision that drives our church. And I hope it'll give you a better sense for who we are as a church. But it's also for us who are called Knox, our spiritual home, because it's a refresher in terms of why are we here? And why do we do what we do here at this church? At Knox Church, we are a community that are committed to these things, following Jesus, loving the city, and serving the world. That is how we say who we are as a church. This is our identity. It's our mission statement, and you're going to hear it often if you're here at Knox. We are a community following Jesus, 
That's the first thing. Loving the city. This is the place God has given to us. And serving the world. Being part of God's renewal of all things wherever in the world. All the particulars of who we are and what we do flow from the convictions of those three phrases. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to explore the meaning of that, that theological vision. But we're going to do it in a series called All In. We're inviting you this year to step all in with God at Knox, to be all in with the life of God, all in with God's mission. And we're, we're calling us to, to be all in because we believe that in every heart lies this desire to fully give ourselves to something worthy, worthy of our life's devotion. We believe that a life of wholehearted devotion is a good thing. Who who wants a half-baked life, right? No one. Who sets out to, to give themselves tepidly to something? No. And yet some of us do. Some of you are missing out on the fullness of God's life because you're holding back somewhere. And you're thinking that by holding out, you're, you're just keeping other options open. Some of you are not experiencing the power, the joy, the intimacy that God intends for you to experience in a relationship with him for one reason, because you're holding back somewhere or something. But here's what I know about God. God has never held back on you or I. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went all in. He went to the cross. He died in your place, my place. He didn't hold anything back. And so during this series... Here's our prayer that at some place in the next couple of weeks, maybe it's Sunday, maybe it's during the week, you're going to have one of these all-in moments where you catch sight of the fullness of God, where God reveals himself to you, his love, his grace, his presence, his his kingdom vision, where he reveals that to you. And that would lead you then, compel you to to an all-in commitment to God. We believe that God holds out for us a full life, and we don't want anyone to miss out on what God has to offer. So we're calling us to this all-in life. Now, I know some of you here are probably thinking, really? (laughs) I got a full schedule in school. Um, I got a new job I'm just starting. Can you expect that from me? Can I take that risk? To give myself in that sort of way, I don't even know if I have that sort of faith. Or maybe there's some of us here today, we're considered ourselves agnostics, maybe atheists, and you're here because you have questions and you're thinking, well, that's nice for for you Christians, this notion of being all in, and I I wish I could do that because I have so many doubts and questions, however. I wish I had faith like you Christians do. And that sort of life, it seems compelling. The community you have, I like, I want that, but I can't because I don't have the faith you do. But here's the beautiful truth of Christianity. Here's the gracious wonder of Jesus. It is not about finding faith in order to follow Jesus. Rather, we follow Jesus in order to find faith. We follow Jesus and we find faith coming alive. 
It's not our faith that brings us to follow Jesus. It is the call of Jesus that moves us, compels us to follow him. And it is in following Jesus, in being with Jesus, in coming near to Jesus, where we see and encounter his life, that faith then begins to grow and emerge. That is the place where faith comes alive and grows in us, when we are with Jesus. And you see that here in this story. Look at how it plays out in the story we read from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus begins his ministry with a simple call to two fishermen. First, Simon and Andrew. And then a little further up the beach, the two other fishermen, James and John. And a simple call, utterly simple. Come, follow me. Jesus comes to people with maybe a little faith maybe with a struggling faith, maybe with no faith at all, and he calls them to follow him. Jesus comes to us, people who may have a little faith, maybe we've got no faith at all, and he calls us to be with him into relationship with himself because that is where we might actually find faith and where faith will grow. Because see, if life with God begins with our choice, with the need for us to somehow muster up the necessary faith, we will always be in doubt, won't we? We will be worrying, do I have enough faith? What about those questions that linger in my mind? Was I right to follow? Who am I to follow Jesus? And it will become very easy to put up all sorts of questions and problems, maybe even as a way to avoid Jesus, to resist Jesus. But if a life with God begins with the call of Jesus first, then any doubts we might have about our faithfulness really become opportunities for us to discover more about the faithfulness of Jesus himself in our lives and to us. I get to hear people tell me a lot about their doubts and questions as a pastor. That's part of the fun, I think, the of my job. I get to engage with people. And, and we are a church where we welcome that where we welcome people's questions, where we recognize doubt probably is actually part of faith, a living faith. Of course we all have that, right? But the solution to our questions and doubts is not to avoid Jesus or to turn, but it is actually to come close to him. Because see, there's only so much you or I will know about Jesus looking in from the outside. There are things you'll never know about life with Christ, his power, his love, his grace, from the outside looking in. And so what Jesus does is calls us to come close to him, calls us to be with him so that we might know him in a wholly different way. The journey of those who follow Jesus Christ, you know what, it doesn't begin with our decisions. The disciples here in this story, they're not, you know, weighing pros and cons. They're not doing a cost-benefit analysis of following Jesus. And they say, yeah, makes sense. I will decide to follow Jesus because he's the type of person who's going to help me with my life and meet my goals. No. Jesus has decided to call them to himself. And that call is so overwhelming that they have to follow. And in each case, the response is the same, right? They drop everything to follow Jesus. They drop their nets, which is their professional fishing life. They leave their families to follow Jesus. And when you read that, I don't know about you, I read that and right away I think, seriously? 
Like, they, they just drop everything. <laughs> um, where are they going? How are they going to pay their bills? Uh, what about their families? What's the plan? It's clear they don't know the answers to those responsible questions. Their only plan is to follow Jesus. So how does Jesus get these fishermen to drop their lives and to follow him? It's interesting. It's not by pointing out their sins and how badly they need help, right? That's not it. These are not men who have been convicted of their sin and are now following Jesus. That, that does happen. That comes a little bit later, though. And neither are they seekers or skeptics who have just had a theological epiphany, a discovery about Jesus. That happens, too, and that comes much later. But at this point, they know little about Jesus. I don't even know if they had faith yet. And we certainly can't say that they understand where this whole journey is leading them. But there is just something so compelling about Jesus that they immediately drop everything to follow him. It's almost as if this was the call on their lives they were waiting for their whole life for. And for us here at Knox, we center our lives on following Jesus. We are all in with Jesus because in Jesus we have heard God calling to us. We have heard a call that has been so compelling. Maybe we didn't fully understand it, but it just grabbed our hearts and we've begun to explore what that's like. Take a look at this Jesus who calls you today. Jesus is the single most influential person who ever lived, the enduring influence that has touched every part of the world, that has crossed every division of human culture, that has found a home in every cultural context. Jesus has brought hope and life and meaning to, to the greatest diversity of people, to, to people like African slaves and Harvard physics professors, to Guatemalan barrios and, and European metropolises. Take a look at his character. You know, it's striking that the Bible never gives us a description of Jesus' appearance. In our culture, we're all about image, right? And what's so compelling about Jesus, however, is not the image he cut, but the content of his character. Jesus combines the highest authority and majesty with the greatest humility. He has the fiercest commitment to justice with the tenderest grace and mercy. In Jesus, we see meekness and majesty. We see boldness without arrogance. We see an unbending insistence on truth, but always clothed in love. Jesus was willing to eat with tax collectors, which scandalized the people on the left the political left of his day and age. But then he also welcomed and ate with prostitutes, offending the religious right of his day. He insisted on truth, calling the sexually and economically immoral, the religiously arrogant to repent of their sins, and yet he shows utter kindness and tender friendship to all. He, he would touch the lepers, the marginalized, welcome them, giving them a place. He would forgive those who were crucifying him. In Jesus, we see the creator of the universe, all-powerful God, humbling himself, coming to our level, becoming human, entering into and understanding the human predicament. 
He sees our need. He sees our need for salvation, and he offers his own life for ours. On the cross, think of it, on the cross, Jesus willingly gives his life so that we might live. And in his death, he deals head on with all the forces that have held us captive, all the forces, all the powers that threaten to destroy us. And he cancels those and he makes us free. And he not only died, but three days later in the tomb, he rose from the dead. And when the women who went to the tomb to anoint his body, his dead body, they're expecting, to their utter shock, they find a tomb open and the body gone. And not taken away, but transformed. A body not resuscitated, but resurrected, taken through death into a whole new order of existence. That Jesus who stands unique in his influence, unique in his character, unique in his claims and in his work, that Jesus calls you today, follow me. And again, to follow him does not mean you've got it all figured out because there is just too much glory, too much mystery in who Jesus is to have it all figured out. But in following Jesus, in being with him, we do find a faith that grows and emerges, not having all our questions answered beforehand, but in finding faith as we are with Jesus. These disciples that Jesus called here, as we walk through the book of Mark with them, You see, they don't have it figured out at all. I mean, they constantly are getting it wrong. They misunderstand who Jesus is. In another gospel, in Matthew, after Jesus has died, has risen from the dead, has appeared physically, bodily to his disciples, some of them still are doubting. They haven't got it figured out. But what they are called into, what you and I are called into, is to encounter and discover who Jesus is. It is the invitation to participate in the life of Jesus. You know, it's interesting. So often the the common notion for how you become a Christian is this. You first believe, and then you begin to take on the Christian life and you behave in certain ways, and then you, you find a place among God's people. You belong. So it's this sequence of believing and then behaving like a Christian and belonging. But you look at how that sequence is just completely reversed here in the Gospel of Mark. Here it is, belong, then behave, and then believe. Jesus first invites these fishermen to come to him. Come, be with me, belong, share life with me, be with me. And then over time, his promise is, I will make you fishers of men. You will become more and more like me. And only later, as they have spent time being with Jesus, the disciples do come to this enduring faith. In the middle of the Gospel of Mark, Peter is able to then say, you are the Christ, the Messiah. This is the type of church Knox is. We are a community where you can take those first or those next steps, even if you haven't got it all figured out. Come, follow Jesus. Learn more about him, even if you have so many questions. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start a series on the Apostles' Creed. I am so looking forward to this as we unpack this, this core articulation of faith that the church has held for 2,000 years. But we're going to do that in the context of many of our contemporary questions. 
Come follow Jesus and learn. Come follow Jesus and practice the way. Take on the practices of Jesus. Join us in worship. Volunteer to serve. Practice what it takes to give yourself for the sake of others as Jesus did for us. Come follow Jesus. Be in community. Join a home church or one of these small communities learning more about following Jesus, working the life of Jesus into all of our lives. This is how we do it. And the first step that begins this relationship with God is to repent. Jesus said it, repent and believe the good news. Now I know many of us have probably a lot of misgivings about that word repent. It gets uh, mixed up with a lot of negative images. But the word really, it's interesting, it's not even a religious word. It, it just simply means turn around. That's all it means, to repent, turn around, turn from all those ways that you have been seeking to find life, trying to make life work. Turn from them. Open yourself to all that Jesus has to offer. In response to this call from Jesus, our first step is simply turn away. Let go of all the ways that you've been trying to make life work, to try to justify yourself, to find identity and meaning all the ways that we've been looking for joy and significance and meaning. It's amazing how many, how many offers of life our culture has for us, but they never deliver. I mean, we have available to us more technology than ever before to connect us. You can Zoom and FaceTime with someone across the world. You can have hundreds of Facebook friends, thousands of Twitter followers, and yet we have never been more lonely, never been more unconnected. We have more things to enjoy, don't we? More, we accumulate more possessions, more money than any other age, and yet we are so discontent, so unhappy. We have more access to information, all the latest scientific developments and discoveries, volumes of knowledge, but we lack the wisdom to make for a good life. We have more articulated freedoms, more defined rights, but we are never more lacking in the experience of freedom. We just haven't found what we're looking for in all these offers of life. Why? Because as one Christian, St. Augustine once said, because our hearts are restless until they find rest in you, God. And so when Jesus calls us, he is offering to us the life our hearts have been hungering for, that are restless for. And that's why the disciples dropped everything and followed Jesus. And today Jesus comes to every person and offers to fulfill some of the core hopes and aspirations, and yet at the same time he challenges our most basic beliefs and practices. He offers to us the desires of our heart, meaning, satisfaction, freedom, identity, hope, justice. But he calls us to repent to find our greatest hope in him. And so that's our call to you, friends, to repent, to turn from all those ways we have sought to find life, to go all in with Jesus, to open yourself to the life that is our true satisfaction. Can I urge you to take that step? Maybe it's a first step for some of you. Maybe it's a next step, a deeper in to be with Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out, right? 
But it is this step of moving toward Jesus, to be with Jesus, to learn, to practice, to be with his people, to belong. And there's a number of concrete steps you can take to do that, right? We encourage people at the front end, just put a pin in Sundays, join with God's people every Sunday, worship here, commit to a home church. You know, because if you could have done this alone, you would have already. We can't. We need others. So join a small community and gather. Take on the habits of Jesus. But mostly what I urge you is this heart commitment, this turning of your heart away from whatever you have set your heart upon for life, turn it towards Jesus who offers you full life today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for calling out to us in Jesus. And the radical call, God, is you want nothing less than all of us. And you deserve it because you gave nothing less than all of you to us. God, would you help us to hear that call and follow Jesus as the true king of our hearts and souls. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, you, you would speak to all of us right now. You would help us to identify that thing that, where we're holding back that thing maybe that we're holding on to that we need to let go in order to be all in with you, Jesus. Help us each to hear the compelling call of Jesus, follow me. I pray we would all answer by turning ourselves to you because that is the way of perfect freedom and life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.